Hi, everyone. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to preface this episode by letting you know that we will not be talking about COVID-19 today as a disease. Instead, we wanted to devote our full discussion to the transformative impact of medical tourism, which began well before the pandemic and will continue well after it abates. We do have a full episode on how Cleveland Clinic and hospitals around the world responded to COVID-19, and I encourage that you check that one out. But for now, thanks and hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Caring for Tomorrow, a podcast series from the Washington Post brand studio and Cleveland Clinic that explores the changes, challenges, shifts, and solutions that are defining the future of healthcare. We will examine some of the issues facing the system, as well as the advances that are transforming it for the better. Along the way, you will hear how leaders in healthcare, like Cleveland Clinic, are using innovation to improve patient care for people everywhere. Hi, this is Joan London. I am a journalist and author and health and wellness advocate, so I am so happy to be here today as your host and moderator. Today's discussion on medical tourism features a roundtable conversation with experts in the field. Increasingly, Patients are willing to cross international borders for treatment, and they can access more opportunities to get critical care. However, these medical tourists may also encounter challenges like cultural or language barriers. Still, with a service-oriented approach, better outcomes are possible no matter where patients are from. So we will explore this trend and we'll look at how Cleveland Clinic has become a world-renowned destination for heart treatment. My guests today include Jonathan Edelheit, Chairman of Medical Tourism Association and Global Healthcare Resources, Dr. Lars Svensson, Chair of the Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic, and Dr. Nazar Zain, Medical Director, Global Patient Services at Cleveland Clinic. And welcome, everyone, to the show. I guess I should always start with just that really basic question. And Dr. Zain, you can start us out. How do you define medical tourism? There are a number of competing definitions The broader definition would include anyone who travels outside their own national borders seeking medical care. But there are more narrow definitions in which it would exclude someone who travels for the purpose of wellness, such as medical spas. It will exclude people who travel, for example, for cosmetic surgeries or dental work. So there are broad definitions and more narrow focused on the complex medical care. Now, as we start the segment, I think it's very important to point out this is not something that was invented, certainly not by us, and certainly not recently. Traveling for medical care is an ancient tradition, has been documented as far as ancient Greece, although always driven by the global human desire of living well and be cured from illness. Today, certainly the U.S. is one of these centers. Jonathan, that we've seen this increase in America, that it's becoming more well-known. People are taking the opportunity to travel. Sometimes it's not necessarily looking for the clinic with the best doctors, but it's looking for complicated surgeries at a less expensive price. There's a lot that comes under this, but what are, what are really the factors that have led to this recent expansion? 
I think the transparency and pricing and quality has broken down a lot of barriers and people's access to getting that information at their fingertips online. You know, so you could have a patient in China who now understands the quality of care they could receive from Dr. Svensson, like here at a Cleveland clinic. And then I think with millions of patients traveling around the world for care, there's been a lot of word of mouth you know, of, of people, one person tells a family member, a friend, and then they end up deciding to travel for care. So I think with that access to the quality and the experience of providers, plus the cost transparency, it provides a, like a world of options at people's fingertips. Well, so many people come here to Cleveland Clinic to get, you know, the best of the best care. Dr. Svensson, when you consider the international patients who have been coming here, where are they coming from, and what are the top factors that lead them here? It's a very good question. I think it's important to point out that 80% of our patients who have cardiac surgery at the Cleveland Clinic come from outside our 21-county area. So it's not just tourism international across borders, but it's across from the whole of the United States. But if you look at the international part, it's about 5% of our patients. And... Most of them are from the Middle East. We used to and still get a lot from South America, increasingly from China, and a fair number from Europe and quite a lot from Canada. And each of those groups of patients, there's slightly different reasons why they come. So for the Middle East, for example, there we have a strong relationship with embassies that send patients to us. But we also have the high net worth people, whether that's South America, China, or Middle East, who want to come for the best care. And we publish on a monthly basis our outcomes. So you can look up what our mortality rate is for aortic valve or mitral valve replacement or repair. Then we also do, as Jonathan was saying, a lot of complex operations that other people don't do or hardly ever do. And because of our volumes, our surgeons become experts at doing that. There is also a smaller segment of patients other than coming here because we do high volume, superb outcomes or complex operations. There are the patients who are not getting the care they need in their countries. How is Cleveland Clinic's approach to medical tourism different than other hospitals? So I think it is different in a number of ways. To care for an international patient requires a different component present. First is the medical care. At Cleveland Clinic, there is a particular focus on safety, quality, patient experience, clinical outcomes. Secondly, it requires uh, logistics, such as transportation, hospitality, living, visa, legal services, a number of things that are not applicable to domestic patients but to international patients. But most important and more important than both, I would say, and this has came out a number of surveys been done in the U.S. and globally, of what do patients want the most? Patients want to restore health, of course, as number one outcome. But beyond restoring health, they want respect, they want compassion. And this came out over and over again. So you need to have a culture of empathy for foreign patients if an organization is to provide care for international patients. Cleveland Clinic have done that over and over by training staff in empathy, by creating, in order to achieve empathy, you need 
communication and you need shared experiences. So we created a number of venues for communication with the patient through certified medical interpreters or through other means of communication. We identified opportunities for our staff to experience cultural events that will be applicable to patients that we see. So I think creating a culture of empathy is probably the most important factor in success when it comes to caring for foreign patients. Well, I was fortunate enough to get a a tour of Cleveland Clinic and uh, heard that there are people here that can translate 26 different languages. And, and that's the most obvious thing that you think of. I mean, obviously, there are language barriers for anyone traveling abroad for surgery, whether they're coming our way or going the other way. I mean, what are some of these things that people should take into consideration? Patients need to really look at what care they're getting locally. And as you mentioned, most patients, they don't look at how many surgeries did my doctor perform. What's their expertise? Or their general practitioner will say, go see the specialist. And so there's blind faith in that specialist. And I think patients need to be very careful about where they travel for care. They should understand how that healthcare system regulates it. They really need to focus on what accreditations or certifications the hospital has and the doctor. And they need to check things like safety, you know, pricing, quality. Does that facility have the international patient services in place to service you? You can't just take a foreign patient who speaks a different language, different religion, different customs, and drop them into a hospital and hope there's a good experience, because in reality, there won't be. And if they have a bad experience on the non-medical side, they'll still equate it to the entire medical experience. So they'll say the experience was terrible or the quality was terrible. So I think going to a hospital that has an international patient department set up is important. You know, Cleveland Clinic has you know world-renowned international patient services. They've also been accredited by Global Healthcare Accreditation, which accredits the top hospitals in the world for medical tourism. So I think patients need to really do their research and make really intelligent decisions, but I don't think they should fear traveling for care because that information is available out there for them to make those decisions. And I encourage them to question their local care and then look abroad. I encourage any anyone who's listening, if you're diagnosed with something, get a second, get a third opinion. I can give you a real life example of just a few weeks old of what you just said. This is true story, 27 year old lady in country somewhere else playing tennis, she noted pain in her thigh, noted there's a lump in her thigh, goes locally, which is supposed to be somewhat reputable uh, center, get diagnosed with sarcoma, that is cancer of the muscles in her thigh. She is scheduled for amputation, complete amputation of her leg. And uh, somehow through second hand, they call me, they ask me to look at uh, records and so on. Ultimately, the patient comes here she did not have cancer altogether. She was scheduled for amputation of her entire leg. And re- this is true story just happened recently. It's, uh, it's heartbreaking to see sometimes uh, what patients may have to go through to achieve a good medical care. As we see an uptick in healthcare plans and big companies starting to kind of have a say in where people go, is this going to just 
increase the amount of medical tourism? It seems like it would. So that's a very good question because what we're seeing is changing uh, scenario in the United States. And so we call this our direct employer part of our program. And so we have contracts with a number of these companies now who recommend that their patients come to us for either second opinions or procedures. Some of them will actually pay for the airfare and the hotel for a partner to come here to the Cleveland Clinic, and they see that as beneficial for many reasons. First of all, our outcomes are better. People return to work earlier. The other thing that's very interesting is the insurance companies, two of the big insurance companies, in fact, the biggest ones, they have looked at our cost structure and our outcomes and have said, you guys have superb outcomes and you're running cheaper on these particular procedures. We want all our patients who potentially are going to need that operation to have a second opinion done at the Cleveland Clinic. And so we're seeing a change now. So, for example, one of the insurance companies that insures for one of the big company chains, it is a requirement now that a physician at the Cleveland Clinic is seen for those patients. It definitely is because, you know, we saw last year one of the the biggest employers mandate that their employees actually travel for care. And that was the the first one where before that people would say employers would never do that. Now they say, if you need a surgery, you have to get on a plane in order for us to cover it. And they realize if they can just send them to one of the best places in the world, it's crazy that it actually ends up costing less they're back with their family sooner, returning to work sooner, and you know, living a more productive life. It just, it's, a, it's a win-win for everyone. As all of this happens and we see medical tourism becoming more normalized, what would be your warning to the consumer of healthcare to make sure that they're dotting all their I's and crossing all their T's to make sure they'll be safe? I think one is medical tourism isn't for everyone. You know, you, you've got to except that you're going to travel for care and get on a plane. Some people just don't want to do that. But if you do, you know, you need to make sure there's transparency and you understand what is the pricing, what is the package, what does the package include or not include. You know, the devil's in all the details because is the hotel included, is it separate, is the anesthesiologist or the surgeon included or separate. Usually it's packaged, but there are some organizations that, you know, separate some of these things and so the patient comes and then they find out they're paying more. Who is your surgeon and making sure that you're guaranteed to get that surgeon? You know, there's some patients who have traveled and there's been bait and switch where, you know, you signed up and you're getting the 60-year-old professor who's the top surgeon and you show up and you have a 28-year-old surgeon. As I said earlier, does that hospital have the facilities and the services in place to treat you if you're from a different country, a different you have a different culture, religion, language? Because if you showed up in a hospital and no one spoke your language, imagine, you know, Dr. Zane's talking about empathy. You're not going to really get empathy because nobody can, you can't share what pain you're in and the nurse can't understand it. So they really need to have all these together in a very organized fashion. You know, Jonathan, you kind of look at this from a global perspective and with all the different institutions around the world. What do you see 10 years down the road, five, 10 years down the road? I think that innovation is happening all over the world and people are starting to realize the most innovative drug 
or medical procedure might not be happening within their country. And so people are going to be much more open to traveling for care, whether that's within their own country domestically or globally. I think that pretty much all the health insurance companies will have this embedded within their policies. So it's an option. We have one last segment that we called, if you remember one thing, where we ask our experts, what's the one takeaway from this conversation today that you want listeners out there to remember going forward? Dr. Svensson? Well, if you want the best care and most efficient care and done least invasively by the best team, for 25 years, the best team in the United States come to the Cleveland Clinic. Our mortality rates run one third of most average mortality rates for the country. And we have superb outcomes. Of course, we don't understand why everybody wouldn't want to come to the Cleveland <laughs> Clinic. My one takeaway would be that uh, traveling for medical care is an ancient human behavior driven by our desire to live well and to live long. It is also a win-win situation in which patients receive higher quality care or lower cost care. And for the organization that provide care, they are able to live up to their mission and vision at a global level rather than local level. I think it's a win-win situation. I would say embrace medical tourism. Don't fear it. A lot of people don't want to leave the local community, you know, but I think that we're now in a world where you should fight for the best care and it isn't just local anymore. Well, since we live in a world with so much more medical tourism and it's only going to be growing, I thank you all for your expertise and thank all of you for listening. And if you like Caring for Tomorrow, please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.